The following podcast contains adult subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Thinking Outside the Long Box. As always, I am Gabe, uh, your intrepid host in, uh, I guess person that does interviews. So with me today is Eliza Lazowski. I'm thinking I did that pretty good. Uh, and we are, of course, talking to her about being the uh, one of the female leads, because this movie has a lot of female leads, of Blood Machines, which is available on Shudder, which we uh, talked about on the show, uh, I want to say about three weeks ago now. So Eliza, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. The first thing I have to say, I absolutely love this movie. This is like my favorite movie so far of the year. So, oh, cool. <laughs> so uh, what I'd really like to get started with is what was the process like, you know, getting involved with, uh, with Seth Eicherman and with this movie? Because it seems like it was kind of all over the place with it being a Kickstarter and kind of how he just kind of put everything together. So what was that process like? Yeah, I mean, I got cast in a fairly conventional way, you know, by a casting director that I know. And she sort of said, I think you'd be right for the project. I think maybe the producers had seen some of my work before or something. But then um, I met uh, I met with the director's Skype meeting, <laughs> you know. And uh, and I like and they sent me the script. And um, they had also made a sort of kind of like a... It was a bit of like a, a, a visual map of what the film would be like, this kind of an animated sort of a, a, a kind of design or whatever. So I had an idea of, because, you know, so much of it is obviously, as you know, like a visual experience. And there's really only so much you're prepared for, you know, like there's only so much of this you can actually have on paper, you know? So they sort of like sent me a kind of a, yeah, almost like a animatic kind of like comic type of animated uh, sketch, let's say, of, of of the film. And then they sent me the script, and <laughs> I told the directors this. But at first, I was like, "What, you know, what the hell is this about?" <laughs> like, it's hard to get my head around. And you know, there's so much kind of symbolism in it, and like, and but I just something about them as well as directors and we just had a really good chat and and I was like okay let's go you know sometimes you just have to kind of take a risk and well not even take a risk but you just have to go with your instincts and I think with a piece that is so visual and so much of it exists in their head and even when we're actually shooting because we had some beautiful sets but it's also a lot of green screen and like and you know you kind of have to put faith in them and and I just I just felt that they were really great guys, you know, and sometimes you just go with your feelings. So yeah. And it, it wasn't a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so when I inter interviewed Anders, he talked yeah. a lot about the directors, but I thought it was just like a language thing. And he was saying it incorrectly. He never like really articulated that it was two people. And so until now, I was under the impression that Seth Eicherman is one person. And then you described it as two and them and like really expanded that. Yeah. I did not know that's two people. Are they just a, a two director team or how, how did that work? I've never 
heard yeah. of two people being a directors except for the Wachowskis. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean, there are some directors that work as duos. Like it's not. It does, you know. There's a Cohen Brothers, or there's this, or there. You know, it does exist. But uh, I guess what's unusual is that they've just chosen one name, so you could indeed think that it's just the one person. But um, you know, I never asked them why they did that. I guess it's just they decided to create an alter ego or whatever. Like, and and then and I think uh, when we worked, I think it was, you know, they very much work together at every step of the process. I think they've known each other for a long time and. Raphael was more kind of on set with us, directing the actors a little bit more. And then Sevitri was very much the one who's kind of like the head of the, of the, what would you call it? The sort of, um, he was the one kind of directing our movement according to all the special effects that they were going to add on top. So he knew exactly where or how we'd have to place our hand if, you know, something was to sort of, come out of it or like or so he was the one helping with in a way the mapping you know the visual mapping um and then um but yeah i've never asked him but it must be an alter ego of some sort <laughs> so this this is a a visually an incredible movie and talking again talking with Anders like i learned you know that a lot of the set is is practical effects and things like that what I find really fascinating is like this idea of like hand placement and like body placement. Have you ever had to work with like something that was so heavy in digital effects before? And if not, what was that experience like? Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't. So, so it's not, it's not always the easiest thing to do because you know, again, so much of it is left to the imagination. But I have to say they were extremely good at explaining the visuals in a way. So you could start to kind of make it out somehow. And indeed, we did have like, you know, the interior of the spaceship that was an actual set. Like there's a lot of, they did amazing, like the set designers did amazing work. And we did have some locations that were indeed you know, that the, we had something to kind of um, feed off from in, in, a, in an atmosphere sense, you know, because, the, yeah, the interior of the spaceship or the interior of, of the heart, you know, where when my character at the end sort of traps him inside this kind of like red room, that was an actual room as well. Well, it's set actually in a studio. So there were some some elements that kind of gave us an idea of what the atmosphere would be like. And everything else was very much just, uh, letting them guide us essentially but I think what I struggled with a lot was I was just like I need to understand why I'm doing these things you know and I think um and I mean they know because I've joked about this with them a lot as well but I think you know they had such a clear idea of like how the whole thing was going to turn out but us as actors there are sometimes certain things that you need in a storytelling sense to actually know what it is that you're doing with those movements, you know? And a lot of things, I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but okay, fine. Like, but it was a bit, you know, so I kind of struggled with that. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of things, Andres and I were kind of walking through this thing where the other actors do just going like, okay, <laughs> we're not too sure, but <laughs> let's just try, you know? So yeah, yeah. But but yeah, like I said, they were, you know, the costumes and enough of the sets for us to definitely pick up on the atmosphere of the visuals. And we did work, do some work in green screen as well, you know, 
um, I have done some work in green screen before, but not to that extent, no. You know, with, you know, the kind of confused and like difficult nature of it, because like this is a, a mind piece, like this movie is just completely about blowing you away. What was the experience like of seeing the film for the first time, you know, with all of the stuff that they've added to it? Like how how did that experience go for you? Yeah, so... We watched it on big screen, you know, which obviously is a great thing uh, if you get a chance because then you really kind of dive into it. And um, I found it like incredible, actually. Um, And I found it very moving, which is what I didn't really expect, actually, because I think there's something very sensual about the film as well, you know. And then there's this symbolism of the women at the heart and like an... Again, like I said, because, you know, there were definitely some things that we couldn't quite picture. And even in terms of, like, the meaning of the story at times, you know, there were definitely parts of it that felt obscure to me. Like, when I was asking about my character when we were prepping, they're like, well, she's like a heart. And I was like, what does that mean? What do you mean she's a heart? Like, she's called Corey. Okay, fine, she's the core. She's the core of the universe. I was like, how the hell do you play the core of the universe? Like, I don't know. (laughs) You know, so there's all these kind of, like, elements that in a way well definitely come to life when they're you know when it's finally all put together and when you sort of see the visual but in a way it's almost more like yeah it's like a sensory experience I felt to watch it and I was yeah I found it very um like quite yeah quite moving I don't know something about it like it sort of takes you on this trip and then the vibe of it. And I was just like, Oh, wow. (laughs) And then of course I'm very critical of my work. And so that's yet another thing. So that that I find hard to watch, you know, but (laughs) the movie, yeah, I I think it's, I've not seen something like that in a very long time, actually. And I found it like really refreshing. Yeah. 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 Like I genuinely like it. I think it's really spectacular. Yeah. When I ask my wife to watch things on Shutter with me, she usually says no because I'm typically <laughs> trying to get her to watch some like trashy garbage, right? Yeah. So it took me like a couple weeks of like convincing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Please, you got you got to watch this movie. It's so incredible. Like it's going to blow you away. You like science fiction. This is like pure science fiction. It's not scary. It's not it's super weird, but it's not scary." And um so when I finally convinced her to watch it, we sat down, we watched the whole thing. Like, you know, this by now it's like the fourth time I'd seen it or something like that. And she got finished with it. And she's like, wow, what a, what an incredible commentary on like feminism. I was like, yeah, like that's very real. And like so much of the movie is wrapped up in like symbols and ideas and concepts with like very little dialogue. And I think that's a big part of what makes this movie special. Like what are some of the themes that you like personally take away from this movie? Yeah. I mean, it's nice. You know, um, maybe Anders has already told you, I don't know if you've uh, interviewed the directors or, but you know, there's been sometimes mixed responses about that because people have been like, Oh yeah, but there's all these naked women. Why? Like, you know, it's yet again, a male director and naked bodies or whatever, but, you know, being a female in the film industry, and I've been in it for a very long time, like, you're definitely on the other end of, like, well, you're definitely on the end of a lot of this kind of, like, sexism and, like, and all of this. And 
and and I really when I saw when first when I met them and when I read the script and I was like no there's really something feminist about what they're trying to do and they're doing it through some of the you know mediums or cliches of the sci sci-fi genre or like or or some of the cliche type of like, you know, like the male character that Anders plays, he's like the ultimate misogynist and like, and, you know, so they're kind of playing around with that. It's like ironic in places, you know, but indeed it's just like it, it, I would think, you know, that the, the feminist themes are definitely like the right reading or certainly the way I read it too, where it's really something about like the souls and the heart and the core of, you know, yeah, of the universe, you know, being the woman and like, and kind of rec reclaiming that. Yeah. And again, you know, again, when I first read the script, because everything is just highly symbolic, I was like, okay, you can feel and, you know, talking to the director, this is what it's about amongst other things, you know, because again, it's also this visual experience. And, but I, um, yeah, I would say, well, anyway, am I answering your question? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's a very international cast. There's a lot of people from all sorts of different places. And uh, I understand that like a lot of the crew is international from all over Europe and even the States and stuff. What's it yeah. like working with like such a large, like multinational group of people? Like were there breakdowns in communication and things like that? I've had that experience before on a TV show that was, well, actually, you know, more and more you have co-productions and stuff to get stuff made. So in my experience is becoming also a bit more common to have people from all over the place. Personally, I think it always creates like a really great environment because the more differences there are in a way, <laughs> the less kind of like indirect competition we all are with one another or something, or like it just creates like a really nice vibe, I think. And then I guess, actually, I don't know because they crowdfunded it. I don't know if some of the people who got involved in, was maybe linked with that too. Like, I'm not sure how everybody um, got involved, but wait, what was the second part of your question? You asked me, you said, what was it like working with a multinational cast? And what was the second thing you asked me? Like, were there like breakdowns? Like, did you ever have moments where, where you're like, I, I don't know what's going on right now? Uh, yeah. Breakdown in communication. I mean, you know, for me, it's fine. Like, I think they were sometimes, like, perhaps, like, with the directing side of it. I mean, I'm bilingual, or I speak several languages, actually, but I'm bilingual French-English. And so, obviously, I had no problem communicating with the directors who are French, but I think sometimes, perhaps, their vocabulary was slightly limited, and then Anders didn't get it, and then I found myself going in between, and I was just like, it was quite funny at times. Like, yeah, so there was a little bit of that going on. But we got by, you know, we managed. <laughs> I I read a lot of French science fiction comic books. And I, you know, like Mobius and uh, who, yeah. Druyer, whose name I'm sure I'm massacring. Because I'm American, so I only oh, speak one language. I'm awful. And a lot of the visuals of this movie seem to be drawn from a lot of the, the visuals in, in French comic books. And there's a very, like, French sensibility to the movie. Like, when you look at other French films, like, they don't rely necessarily on dialogue all the time. They definitely rely on visuals a lot more than American films do. How do you feel like this movie kind of fits into, like, French cinema overall? 
So I can't speak for those references of the French sci-fi books because I comics because I have to say I'm not really that familiar with that um, with that art actually, but I think I mean it's unusual actually to have a sci-fi film made in France because well sci-fi costs a lot of money to make usually and these guys you know really did very well with what they had because they're so creative and so clever and they worked very very hard <laughs> but it's quite rare for there to be sci-fi in France and in fact they didn't manage to get the kind of like conventional funding that you'd get and like it's it's not a genre that's ever being really filmed um there's always this assumption that something that that's what America does you know and you and 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 and, and America does it very well <laughs> you know but You know, these guys are really into sci-fi. They wanted to do whatever project they wanted to do. They were going to find a way to do it their own way without the regular funding, without the conventional funding. They figured it out. They crowdfunded it. And I suppose where it fits in, so in so many ways, it doesn't fit in French cinema in an industry sense at all. Like they're completely kind of anti-establishment in that sense. They just really did their own thing. But indeed, there is something... Well, there is something, yeah, in the visual, there's a sensuality, there's perhaps like a way of narrating or a storytelling where there's, um, there isn't a formula to their narration in any way. You know, they're kind of actually in so many ways very experimental with their storytelling, you know? And I think perhaps in that sense, it may fit in an aspect of French cinema in that We do have a tendency to try and explore that sometimes a little bit more. I mean, there's also the very big mainstream stuff in France that can be very formulaic as well, you know. But cinema is definitely such a huge cultural, uh, has such a huge cultural place in France. And if anything, it's one of the art forms that's, I would say, the most developed. You know, I live in England. In London, it's really all about music or whatever. Or like, you know, certain countries have their thing. And of course, I'm generalizing, but I think in France, like cinema is really at the core of everything, artistically, culturally. And so, you know, they would perhaps fit into that kind of constant research that there is in France to kind of like come up with storytelling devices that may not be like the one you've seen the week before, you know. So in that sense, I think that's where they belong. And then, like I said, on the other hand, them having done a sci-fi on their own, in their own devices, completely outside the system is like not seen before, you know? They're, they're kind of like the Robert Rodriguez of France. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think uh, they're so talented and I wish them well and I hope, and I'm sure they will continue doing great and greater things. Like, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so kind of speaking about music a little bit, Carpenter Brute did all the music for the movie, which is incredible. Did you have the opportunity to see the video that they did together before they made the movie? And did that kind of prepare you for what was coming when you actually saw the movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they did, they did indeed like send it to me. That was, you know, when they very initially got in touch, like that's definitely something they sent me. And so I watched it and I thought it was really cool. The music is great as well. So I was like, Yeah, 
oh yeah there was another stamp of validation of going yeah these guys are good like okay let's go <laughs> yeah as we're kind of nearing the end of our time like i know because of the global pandemic there's a lot of people that don't have a lot of things going on but i always like to give people the opportunity to tell us you know what's what's next what's coming up for you and if there's nothing coming up for you what would you be excited about doing again <laughs> or like moving yeah. on into <laughs> Well, it has been a funny time, hasn't it, to kind of like reflect or slow down or like, or, you know, there's been all sorts, but miraculously, I've been offered to do a film in September, October in Italy, nothing to do with blonde machines. It's a story about that set in, well, partially in the Second World War and then the second part all in Italy and then the second part in America, actually, um, after the war, but... You know, I was very surprised that this was happening. I sort of thought like all productions would be postponed until 2021 or something. But so far, fingers crossed, it seems to be going ahead. So <laughs> I'll be working. I should be working on this like, yeah, in September, October. Otherwise, you know, I think uh, what I'd be excited about redoing, I think what I really, really want to do is start telling my own stories as well, you know. So I've had some time off when nothing was happening in the industry also just helped me recenter and go okay <laughs> this is what I want to do and so yeah I think um acting is an amazing profession and it's my it's my profession and I shall continue to do it <laughs> um but I think I need to develop other sides of my creativity to be a full a, a, a more rounded person like yeah so that that's the decision <laughs> That sounds awesome. You know, yeah. it, it'll be amazing to see, you know, so many people lost jobs, lost their ability to do things. You know, I lost my job and I literally just looked around my house and thought to myself, what can I just do from home? And I had to be creative and start my own thing. And I think this is going to create so many interesting creative projects from people that have never slowed down in their lives, you know, and then realize, you know, I really like writing or I really like, you know, acting. I really like directing and end up doing something completely different because I they actually had spare time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, it's in a bizarre twisted way. Like those aspects of what this situation has brought us is actually kind of very valuable, you know? And mm -hmm. I completely agree. I think, um, I've already started to see it around me, like, or at least from creative colleagues or friends that it's just, they've just loosened up, you know, something, or they just put things out without sort of caring what other people will think. And I'm like, wow, yeah, that is the way to go, you know, 100%. Like, yeah, so hopefully we can continue on that, keep, keep that feeling with us and carry on that way because it's a healthier way, I think. Yeah, it is for sure. <laughs> As we're wrapping up, can you let our fans know how they can find you online so they can make sure I, to watch the amazing things that you make? <laughs> I, uh, well, you know, I'm on Instagram, but I'm so bad at it. I've probably posted about 35 things in like three years or something. It's like, <laughs> it really, it doesn't come natural to me, but I am on it. And I do write to people on it as well, actually. Um, and I'm not against it. Uh, and I have a Facebook, but man, that's really bad. Okay, write to me, or or you can get in touch on Instagram, and I'll uh, I'll I'll do my best to expand my social media a little bit to be a bit more accessible. But um, 
Yeah, I'll try. I promise. <laughs> some of the most some of the most famous actors in the world don't have social media for a reason. Like it can be it can be super toxic. We just have to keep track of the people that we like, and sometimes that's easier to just do on your own. So, <laughs> well. True. Eliza, thank you so much for your time. Again, this is my favorite movie of the year so far. Like it has blown my mind completely. So thank you. Thank you again. We really appreciate it. And I can't wait to see what you guys do next. (laughs) Thank you so much. Have a great day. And um, yeah, again, thanks for having us. Of course. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Thinking Outside the Long Walks podcast. Join us on Facebook and Twitter to get behind-the-scenes information for exclusive content and to be notified when new episodes are available. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent or reflect those of the Thinking Outside the Long Box podcast, Baron Space Productions, its partners, or affiliates. The Thinking Outside the Long Box podcast is made available by its creators, Juan, John, and Gabe. The podcast is edited and produced by Juan, and Albie is the co-executive producer. The Thinking Outside the Long Box podcast is a barren space production.